0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. Just um, uh, excited about this because as Pastor Spud was saying that um, our story team, we are going to be telling, showing a story, a video story of a testimony of somebody in this church for the next one, for the next three weeks. And uh, these stories are powerful. And I love them because they're actually going to communicate the message much better than, than I could. And you're gonna understand the power of a, a testimony, a story, really. Sometimes when we say that we're testimony, we get a little nervous, don't we? It's a, it feels a bit churchy. But the reality is that we share parts of our story all the time uh, with coworkers and people and family members, parents. How many of you have, in this last week, uh, shared a story with a, one of your children or grandchildren um, about something that you did in your, in your, when you were younger, right? A story that would help. Stories impact us all, all the time. And God's given every one of us a story. And it's, it's important that we understand our redemptive story because our redemptive story matters. And so we titled this series, Redeemed to Redeem. Redeemed to Redeem. And, and, I, and I don't want this to be a confusing word. I know most of you understand the word redeemed. But the word redeemed is being pulled out of something into something. Have you guys ever fallen down or been stuck in, in something? And, and and can I can I just be honest with you really quick? I am highly claustrophobic. So like I, if you wrap me up in a blanket, I'm gonna spaz out. I don't know anybody else like that. Like ah no, you know you hug me too tight. I'm gonna go, ah, ah. <laughs> and I remember one time getting folded up. My my. I had a older brother who was oh bless his heart. You know what that means, right? You want to kick him in the teeth. Somebody says bless their heart. And uh he just wrapped me up. We were folding up a tent and he wrapped me up in a tent as we were folding it up. And woo, I hit the man, And I just I remember that in my mind I could not could not think about getting free. Like I couldn't like I didn't know how it was going to happen. And and finally my you know, this, this cruel oppressor, my brother, reaches in and pulls me out. And and I and I remember the 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 feeling of alleviation that, that just hit me, the 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 peace and, and the 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 stress just falls off of me. And that's so silly, isn't it? But the reality is redemption is kind of like that in in a magnified sense. That we were all stuck, weren't we, in our sin. Every one of us. The Bible says it very, very clearly that. Any, any man or woman born of a woman is born with sin, with a sin nature in them. And because of that, we're stuck and doomed to the certainty of death through our sin. But because God loved us so much, what did He do? He sent a rescuer, He sent a, a, a passage, a, a method of redemption that is Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus split time, that He separated time and He came in and He interjected Himself into humanity as a redemptive force. And He came and through the sacrifice of the cross, that is the act of redemption. And what does redemption do to us? Redemption does this, is it pulls us out of the place that we could not get free from, but it doesn't just pull us into safety, it actually pulls us into life. And so when we use the word redemption, we cannot just stop at the act of being saved from our sins because that is not the full definition of redemption. Redemption is being freed from our sin with the inability to do so ourselves, but being propelled into something bigger than we could even imagine being. That's That's how good Jesus is. And so my point with this is that Every one of us who have come into faith through Jesus Christ, by grace, that we have a story to tell. And your story matters. Your story is important. It's not just important for you to know. It is important, parents, for you to hand it down as a legacy. Grandparents, for you to hand it down as a legacy. But it's also in you so that somebody else can become free. And your story, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Your story is being written. And so what I want to do today is I want to take a look at a particular story in Acts chapter 10. The story of Cornelius. And I love this redemptive story here that's shown through Cornelius. And you can open up your Bible to Acts 10. And I'm just going to tell the the story in Acts 10. And we're going to read bits and pieces of the chapter here. Cornelius was a Gentile, and this is when the church was first exploding, first coming on the scene. And and what we see here is this, is that there's a bit of a a struggle for our disciples that we know that walked with Jesus to transition the the message of Jesus outside of the Jewish culture. See, because they uh, they didn't have a Pentecost experience and then just start doing church a different way Just a little bit of background is that they kept on doing what they did when they were Jews. They kept on going to synagogue. They kept on observing prayer three times a day. They kept on doing the things they did when they were good Jews. Now they just understood the revelation of who Jesus was as the Redeemer. But they had one little hiccup. And this hiccup was this, is that they did not think that the Redeemer, Messiah, Jesus Christ, that message translated to people other than Jews. And so we see this beautiful redemptive story take place in Acts chapter 10 with a guy named Cornelius, a Gentile, a powerful powerful figure. And the Scripture tells us that that Cornelius was a God-fearer, that he chose to, to make and and honor God with his life. He didn't quite understand who God was, but he chose to live within the revelation of God. In part, in doing this, what he did is that he gave to the poor, and he prayed to God. And the Scripture says something very, very important, that Cornelius was a God-fearer, that he was a God-fearer. And so one day, an angel of the Lord appears before Cornelius, and, and tells him that there's somebody that I'll, is going to come to him that he wants him to go to, to go meet. And that's Simon Peter. And at the same time this is happening, miles and miles away, we see Peter in a bit of a, of a, a daydream, taking a bit of a nap. And the Lord decides to visit Peter. And, and in this dream, this vision, it's, a, it's actually a vision, an open vision that Peter has He sees this sheet being let down by the four corners and all sorts of things that a good Jew was not supposed to eat were inside this this sheet. The Spirit of the Lord tells him, says, listen, Peter, get up, rise up, kill, and eat. And most of us would say, yeehaw, let's go. Let's get a pig going on the spigot and just keep going. Let's go, right? But Peter says, no. Matter of fact, he says it three times. He goes, no, 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 that's unclean. No, I'm a good Jew. No, no, no. Isn't it funny? Sometimes our story involves a no. Think about that for a second. See, because this story would not be complete without Peter's no. And sometimes even our objections and our stumblings and our shortcomings play into the beautiful storyline of redemption that God is working that creates something bigger than what we can see. Because here is what I would just gently interject to you. You don't have to believe this. But Peter is actually the minor player in this storyline. This is really about Cornelius and what God wants to do with Cornelius. And the revelation that God wants the church to get about the Gentiles. And so finally Peter goes, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to go. And at that time he hears a knock at the door. And it's some of, it is some of uh, Cornelius' servants coming to knock on Peter's door. And they come and they say, the, listen, our master had an experience. He saw the Lord. He told us to come here to come get you. And Peter goes, well, this isn't just a coincidence This is actually something that God is speaking to me about also. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. And there's a funny interaction that takes place between Peter and Cornelius that's writing this beautiful story of redemption. Peter comes and goes, listen, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't don't know, what did you want me to come and say? The Lord's been speaking to me that maybe that the message of the Messiah should be going out to the Gentiles. And Peter is standing there literally, and I want you to just kind of get the context of this, is that even though he's starting to move in this reluctant obedience to God, he's standing there and he goes, I don't really know what I'm, I'm supposed to say here. And then Cornelius steps in and says, listen, I want to tell you what happened, is that an angel of the Lord came to me and said, I was a god And he said that he wanted to, you, you to come and to speak to me. And I've brought my whole family here, my house is filled up because we came here expecting. And immediately the Holy Spirit hits Peter and Peter goes, aha, I now understand that the message of the Messiah of redemption is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. And he begins to spit out as the Holy Spirit leads this beautiful salvation, redemption message. And it doesn't even get full circle because something miraculous happens and Cornelius's family begins to just speak in tongues. Tongues in the middle of it. I don't care what you think about speaking in tongues. The big point is this: is that the story was being written, and the act of redemption was happening, and God was doing something, and it came to this point, and the whole. Family, Cornelius' his whole family, everybody that God invited, not just his family, but his servants and his friends. They jam this house up. It is the first time you see family salvation mentioned in the New Testament. Hey, Some of you need to, you're asking God, I want to see my whole family. Acts chapter 10. Set the expectation and fill the house. Let God do the rest. All right, so I don't get carried away. I love the story, though. Oh, my goodness. Peter's like, oh, okay, okay. He could have got out there and sang the alphabet. I'm not trying to underwhelm Peter's responsibility here, but I'm telling you, God had an agenda with Cornelius. So the first thing that we have to see here is this, is that the things that you do in your life matter. If you want to take notes this morning, because we're about to watch a beautiful video of a dear friend of mine. We talk about our our life being a story of redemption. Here's what we have to understand. The first thing is that the things that you do in your life, they matter. In Acts 10, 2 through 4, let me just read this to you. This is about Cornelius. He says, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly, One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Here's the thing, is that doesn't it seem in life that we don't have great expectation on some of the things we do day to day? but it's not so. See, when we begin to ask the Holy Spirit to see our lives as a redemptive story that's being written, then we begin to come to the understanding that the things that we do in life, they really matter. Holding the door for someone matters. Paying for somebody's coffee matters. Sharing a word that the Lord's put on your heart of encouragement, a smile, a handshake, an embrace, they begin to matter. Matter. And the key is this, is not just meaningless acts of kindness, because that would be trite, wouldn't it? If, if redemption could just be just simple acts of kindness, then, then it wouldn't be redemption at all. But here's how we begin to redeem the acts that we do on earth. It's when we begin to see them the way that God does. When we begin to cultivate an understanding and ask the Holy Spirit for a deeper revelation that the things that we do on this earth, that they matter, and we begin to actually if I could be so bold to use the word repent of just apathetic living. Of saying that my time is mine or, or, or simply what I do doesn't matter because that's just certainly not the case at all. As a matter of fact, what we learn from Cornelius is that the things that we do in our daily life, they matter. And the scripture says something very, very particularly important about Cornelius is that He was a God-fearer, even though he didn't have the full revelation of who Jesus was. He was a God-fearer. What does that mean? It means this, is that Cornelius chose to see his life not as his own, but something that God owned. And I want to tell you something. if, If we begin to embrace that, even as a church, to begin to say, God, my life is not my own, but my life is owned by you, it's going to begin to set the framework for a beautiful redemption story that brings transformation in the simplest things that we do on a day to day basis. The way that we speak, the way that we respond, the way that we choose to love, they all make a difference. But let me tell you this the only way that's going to happen in my life and in your life is if. I cultivate a love relationship with God. See, I'm not gonna let God own my life until I understand how much He loves me, until I live in that revelation of love. Why? Because as my heart is filled with the love of God, I begin to see my life as an important vessel of redemption because I begin to value what God values and I begin to love people the way that God loves people. It's a very simple equation. We understand that the more we walk into deep intimacy with God and more we respond to His love and listen to His love through the Word of God, through prayer, through acts of worship, when we come together, whether it's corporately or as individuals, through our week and we worship and we spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are cultivating intimacy with God. Love is being built inside of us. And as that is, what takes place in us is we begin to be motivated by what? motivates God. The second thing unique about Cornelius' story, the second thing is this, is that your story is going to break down walls. Your story is going to break down walls. This is my, probably my favorite part in this story in Acts 10, but in Acts 10, 34 and 35, it says this, then Peter began to speak. I now realize, this is after Cornelius spoke said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know, you know what's so amazing about your story is that, and, and this is what we see right now. Don't we see a bunch of people yelling in the world? Don't we see a bunch of people yelling in our country? Standing up on whatever platform that they can build for themselves, just hoisting themselves up on it and screaming whatever they want, words. Don't we need something that is stronger than simply words? And let me tell you what that is. It's your story. See, because I can get up here and I can thump a Bible and I can bang a Bible and shake it in your face and say this is what God's Word says, and it is every bit 100% true. But what's transformational is when I get up and I say, listen, this is the truth of God's Word because I experienced His love, and this is what it did for me. It set me free. It brought me peace. It pulled me up out of a place that I couldn't get free from. It healed my body. This is who Jesus is for me. This is my story. And your story has the ability to break down walls in your workplace, in your home. It doesn't matter. Listen, parents, let me, let me just give a bit of a redemption to some of you parents that it's heavy on your heart, that some of you feel like you made mistakes in your parenting. Let me just say this to you in the name of Jesus. That the redemptive story that God is writing in your life right now is powerful and it needs to be heard to your children. Some of you, that's life too. Because you say, listen, I messed up too much. But but see, redemption is not based on yesterday. It's based on us looking into the future that God has for us. And when we choose to acknowledge that, what happens is that we are embracing our story and saying, God, our story has the ability to break down walls. Cornelius's story broke down walls. Peter came in with some objections to whether or not this Gentile deserved to know Jesus. He was confused, but when he heard Cornelius speak and began to tell his story of what the angel of the Lord spoke to him, immediately the Holy Spirit quickened Peter's heart and he said, I understand now. I don't need another vision, God. I don't need an angelic visit. It's clear in my heart that the message of Jesus Christ and Messiah, the Redeemer, is for every person whose heart is toward Him. Wow. Thank the Lord, because you're a Gentile. Number three. Your story has a larger impact than you can even imagine. This is what Cornelius teaches us. In Acts 10, 24, it says this. The following day... Peter arrived in Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and called together all of his relatives and close friends. There's something so powerful that God is building with your story and your story is so much bigger than you. In Acts 10:44 it says this while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. See Cornelius set the expectation by filling his house And God met the expectation by moving on every person that was in the house. What does that tell us? It tells us this, is that if we can allow the Holy Spirit to impress this on us, help us to understand that our story is so much bigger than us. See, your story is for you. Your story is a personal love letter that Jesus wrote with you. But that story of redemption in your life is so much bigger than just you. If we begin to ask the Holy Spirit to say, God, begin to give us eyes to see, to begin to say, if we could just reach out and build a net around the people that you put us in the middle of, co-workers and family members, and people that we come in contact contact with every day and say, God, if we will invite them, if we will bring them, if we will begin to tell them and begin to share our story, will Holy Spirit, will you show up and begin to meet them, begin to set them free, begin to tell them of the wonderful love of Jesus. We come into that revelation, it begins to expand our perspective. We begin to see what God has done in our life and begin to see it for other people. We begin to look for opportunities. It is amazing to me. It does not pass over me the the amount of of revelation that Cornelius had to say, listen, I was just visited by an angel and there is somebody coming. I don't know exactly what he's going to say to us, but I know it's good and I want everybody I love to be around me when the goodness comes. Isn't that the heart of Jesus? The goodness that was shared and poured out in your life is meant to be shared. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Well, this morning I I, uh, I told you that we have a, a video that we're going to be sh- uh, showing. And, and right now what I want to do is I want you guys to take a look up at the screens because we have a A video. It's one thing to hear it from the Bible through Cornelius, but I want you to hear it from somebody that you may know, a dear friend of mine, Corey Ballard. Go ahead. I love Corey's story. Um, I actually got to meet the um, lady that he was talking about at the beginning of his testimony, and. we were up there and I was visiting with Corey and some folks in the hospital where he works and um, he, uh, she walked up, we were talking about her and she walked up and he was telling me about who she was. And I got to tell you that um, faith was being built um, in that, community that God has put at the medical center. I know it's not just Corey, but there's others, even others here that work there that are carrying that faith. And this woman has this, has a tremendous faith for uh, not just healing, God healing her body, but her the redemption, the greatness of what God's pulling her in. And it's amazing. And so, um, man, powerful, powerful testimony of um, God's goodness. And as we close this morning, I want to just uh, draw... Your attention to Galatians one and two. We're not gonna, we're not. You don't have to turn there. You can just write it down or or just listen. But um, here's here's the takeaway. Because in Galatians one and two, the and this is what I really loved about Corey's story is this: is that um, you you see a a guy in Corey who's extremely humble. He's not trying to be something special. He's just saying, God, would would you use me? It's not perfect. Because our stories aren't perfect. They aren't, are they? Come on, it's okay. It's, our stories aren't perfect. But yet God still uses us in our willingness, doesn't he? He still uses us and allows his redemptive story to be written in us and, and that affects people. And in Galatians 1 and 2, you see the Apostle Paul carrying this beautiful, beautiful message to the church in Galatia about the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ, that the perfect law of liberty has been written through Jesus Christ, and to get your eyes fixed back there. But he starts off this book by giving a bit of his own story, a bit of a resume. And in Galatians 1, you hear Paul talk about before he was Paul, when he was Saul, and you hear him talk about the brokenness and, and the fact that Jesus Christ redeemed him first. And then you hear the part of Paul's story where he goes in and he says, listen, there was a period of 14 years that I had to kind of sit and let God just work on me. And I had to make sure that what God was doing in me was, was, was right and was redemptive for this purpose. And he talks about that and he goes in and he talks about even a bit of conflict and, that he had with other people. And you got to ask yourself, well, why would that even be in this storyline? Why would God even choose to include that in the Bible if it didn't serve some kind of redemptive purpose? And it brings Paul to this ultimate place in Galatians 2.20 where he's beginning to tell the church there to fix your eyes back on Jesus Christ Fix your eyes on the one who is able to redeem you, to set you perfectly free, to bring you into the law of liberty. And he summarizes his life in Galatians 2.20 that I want to read to you in just a second. I'll read to you right now. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And a couple of quick takeaways from this that I want every one of you to hear. And the first is this, is that God uses every part of your life. He uses the highs and He uses the lows. And some of you this morning need to hear me on this. You need to understand exactly what's being said. That God is not erasing the low moments of your life. He's redeeming them. Because your low moments serve a greater purpose than you might even realize. Because there's somebody who's been in the exact same situation you have. Has been in a comparable situation that needs to hear that God is able to forgive. He's able to heal. He's able to set free even from those places. That's why Paul talked about when he was Saul. Because he wants every one of us to know that, listen, there's some of you that are walking around and your eyes aren't just kind of murky, they're completely blinded. But I know this truth, the same Jesus that set me free can set you free. And so what we have to do is say, God, would you let me see my whole life? Because some of you might be in this place this morning where you're saying, God, I don't don't understand this section of my life. I remember when we went to Washington, D.C. to church plant. And in two years, I had a church fail and my dad die. And I sat there and I looked and I said, God, what are you doing? And I left that place, we came back here, we ended up in Los Angeles, and for years and years into Los Angeles, I said, God, I don't understand this season of my life. I feel like I blew it, I made a mistake, I did not do it, even though I had prophetic word after prophetic word. You know what I heard the Lord speak to me ultimately when I was ready to understand and take a step away and see God, not just in bits and pieces in my life, but in the beautiful masterpiece that he's creating with me and with you as I heard him say Andy did you receive me as the good shepherd the one that took care of you every step of the way and my heart broke and I said yes said Andy did I ever let you down and my heart broke a little more and I said no father you've never let me down And then he said, Andy, will I ever let you down? And I said, no, Father, you'll never let me down. You know what? That translates. Some of you right now in this room, you understand and you see your life that way. And the same truth of the love of the Father for me is for you. See, because God takes your low moments and he takes your high moments and he puts them together. And if we choose to surrender every part to him. He turns it into a beautiful masterpiece of redemption. Paul didn't just see his life and take his good and bad parts, put them together, but he saw it as one whole thing, which allowed the redemptive story of Jesus to be written through it that ultimately served this one very important purpose that is true for every one of us, that our lives are meant to show forth the glory of Jesus Christ. And like Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, Really, in our lives, as people who love and are intimately in love with Jesus, we don't want people to see us, do we? We want people to see Jesus in us, through us, working through us, in our low points and in our high points. And this morning, for those of you that you say, God, I'm, I see my life as a redemptive story, then, the, then like Corey said, listen, let that be contagious, because that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit with the story, redemption story in you is that others might hear it. But some of you this morning, you feel and you say, I don't see my life as a connected thing. I don't see God's hand in my life. And what I want to do for you this morning is I want to pray. And if you'll just agree with me and say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to allow you to let your love heal those areas of my heart. And begin to see my life as a beautiful, beautiful, redemptive story. I believe God will heal those areas of your life. He'll begin to show you some things that in those areas that he was doing, that he truly was right there beside you, even in the most painful areas that he's able in his goodness and his justice to heal the brokenness and to bring redemption to it. And if you choose to, if you agree to, if you surrender to, he's going to use it as a beautiful, beautiful story that will set somebody else free. So here's what we're going to do this morning. At this time, the ushers are going to pass out communion, little all-in-one things. They probably have a name. I don't know it. It's going to take a minute. And here's why we're doing this today, and why I felt like the Lord, uh, you know, I, I really just felt like we were supposed to do it this way. it's because one of the purposes why we come in this season and in a lot of denominations maybe you grew up in a catholic as a catholic or maybe you grew up in a denominational church where this is the season of lent and let, let me let me tell you exactly the purpose behind that we don't do that but let me tell you why religions do that it's to focus your eyes upon the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you why that's important. It's because everything we talked about today, our redemptive story being, being written in our lives, being redeemed to redeem, God healing our hearts, God giving us the boldness to, to speak our story out, it only comes through Jesus Christ. There's no... There's no um, hey, can one of y'all toss me one? That's all right. Thank you, sir. Oh, you really did. Wow. Thanks, James. Good toss, man. Hey, we've got a softball team being, get being built. I need you on it. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make light of this. Wow. Thanks. Uh, Unbelievable. I'm so sorry. I apologize for this. Um, But if I can bring this back here, please, I know we have an interactive feature to our message today, but I want us to really, I want us to focus in on Jesus. I want us to remember that the the sacrifice was indeed a sacrifice. One of the most beautiful things that's ever said about Jesus going to the cross is Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a boss statement right there. Like, you ain't doing this. I'm doing this. But let me, let me tell you, it wasn't hyped up in machismo. What it was, was this. I'm choosing to lay my life down for Andy. I'm choosing to lay my life down for you. I'm choosing to lay my life down for you. Why? Because my father created humanity And the revelation of love. And he gave them free will. To choose to respond to his beautiful love. And though man rejected it. And though man brought sin upon himself. My father never stopped loving creation. My father never stopped loving Andy. And now he is backing it up with this. I am coming and choosing to lay my life down so that Andy can know that he can be free and know the love of my Father. See, because it's only through the revelation of the sacrifice of Jesus, through both the crucifixion and the resurrection, do we know what it means to be redeemed. So if you would at this time, take the bread. Thank you, Father, for your body that has been broken for us. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was spilled for us, was shed for us. Thank you that it brings us into the revelation of the new covenant. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, we thank you because we do remember what you did at the cross, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you rose again. We thank you for writing the redemption story upon our life. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you say, I don't see God's redemptive story being written in some of the pain of my life, and I need the Holy Spirit to touch my life to begin to heal those areas. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, all I'm asking you to do is slip up your hand quickly and then you can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just put it down. Father, for those... Lord, that have raised their hands, God. And what I'm asking you for, Holy Spirit, what I'm asking you for is that you would come in and you begin to touch, that you begin to heal those areas. Lord, for every person, Lord God, whose heart is heavy in this moment, God, that you would come in and that you'd surround them in your love, your great love, that they would understand that, God, even in the midst of those painful, painful times, that you never left them, you never forsook them, God. But you're right there. And, Father, we come together in agreement, Lord, with a a unified voice. And we say, Holy Spirit, uh, bring your healing. We choose to turn these areas of pain over to you to allow your healing to come in. Thank you for healing us. And Holy Spirit, thank you also for allowing us to see your redemptive purpose in those things. That Holy Spirit, as you heal us and as you set us free and as you mend That, Father, we see that there is a purpose, God, your redemptive purpose in these things. And, Lord God, let it go out from us as a a beautiful, beautiful story. Father, for every one of us here, Lord God, that we would have eyes to see that the things that we do in our life, that they have mattered, God, and we consecrate those things to you, Jesus. Father, like Cornelius, let us live as God fears that as we live our lives, Under the perspective of heaven, Lord God, knowing, Father God, that the things that we do in love with you, God, that they matter for an eternal purpose, Lord, and for a redemptive purpose, give us the courage, God, to speak our redemptive stories out. Lord, give us the courage to continue to stand in faith as you write our redemptive story. Father, I come in agreement for every person here that their story is being written, Father God, through healing, Lord God. And they're walking through that. Lord, we stand with them in faith in the name of Jesus, knowing that you are the healer and that your redemptive story is being written and will be written, Father, through them. For every one of them that are looking, Lord God, for reconciliation, God, Lord, I just stand with them in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, God, that their story is still being written. Thank you, Lord. Father, and for every person here that's believing for their entire family, like Cornelius, Lord God, give us faith. And let us stand, Lord God, and let us receive, Father God, the goodness for our families. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. Your name is the greatest name. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? Thank you so much for being here today. If you just take today's message and ask the Holy Spirit to burn us in your heart and begin to think about your story. As we mentioned earlier, that our story team is not just for the next three weeks, it's forever. Why? Because your story speaks louder than my words. (laughs) And that's okay, because that's the way God intended it to be. And your story is important, and every one of you have a story. I know that it might take some time, but man, wouldn't it be awesome if we all knew our story and would say, Holy Spirit, would you allow us to share that story with somebody? That'd be beautiful. So I just declare the grace of God over every one of you. I thank you, Lord, for every person here. Lord, bless them beyond their understanding, God. Let the revelation of the love of the Father through Jesus Christ rest on them. Lord, as they go from this place, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We love you so much.